Hey folks. Great Rob, Leslie and Mitchell, I requested you guys be co-hosts. That way we can have like 12 people speaking. I dug into some of the um, details. So if you accept as a co-host, you can just um, be a speaker. There you go. be on in a sec yeah no worries no worries okay cool rob all right perfect there you go request there you go Reet rob you're, i mean you're making this a regular appearance my man hey thanks rob how's it going guys as as i'm doing well how are you good 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 XLRE added to that risk range today. You know, you're back in the you you got you got you're two you're two out of four ITV and and XLRE. I know, I got dog in the fight. You're in the, yeah, you're in the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. <laughs> I know, man. I know. <laughs> Fascinating. It's been really interesting because, like, you know, obviously for a variety of reasons, my um, you know, my sector broadly, it's it's kind of moved into the spotlight amongst you know the two other kind of key ones. So it's always interesting. Totally. And it, yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those ones where, I mean, it makes perfectly sense. It's back in there. I was actually pretty, pretty happy um, because it works in both quads. Right. So it's like, uh, <laughs> it, it, uh, yeah. it's kind of, kind of brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, like I have to, uh, at some point I have to like pick Keith's brain a little bit because I'm, I'm in this, at least in my sector, I'm in this weird place where, it's it's getting harder to find like stock by stock kind of like very obvious home runs if that makes sense mm-hmm. um because so many of the things that were those obvious home runs have worked out so well so i'm i'm like back at the drawing board trying to you know trying to find the next idea it's 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 an interesting time yeah and i i think one of the biggest things from your from in your world rob as i'm sure you know as we transition or think about kind of you know you were this in the, in the early look this morning about kind of that the, the quad four you know deeper quad four and q2 environment and so then you know what does what does that look like right and you know on the on the grid you know deep quad four are, are pretty pretty shitty uh for reads like you know in on yeah. in general kind of down six percent so, you know, you may, you know, I know you got cold. And again, I don't think I'm, I mean, I believe most folks know this, right? I mean, cold's still on the, um, it is still on the investing ideas, right? On the short side. So you know, we, got, we got that bad boy that we can keep, uh, keep hunting and, and kind of trading in and out of, but there's definitely, there's bound to be, I'm sure some others maybe, you know, yeah. um, but well, that, store, that, you know, it's funny, like, no, sorry, not, not to, not to cut you off. No, no, like, no, you're Doug, dovetailing with what you said um you know at at some point storage is going to be a really interesting short um i'm one you know i i think how this plays out they're gonna what they're gonna do 
when they put out their their full year outlooks in February, mm-hmm. they're they're going to guide conservatively, and then like the first quarter is going to blow it out, and everybody is going to take up their numbers and stocks are like there's going to be a dip in February, and then the stocks yeah. are going to rip higher through like May or whatever. And then like, I'm thinking that's the time to turn around and short them because the back half is when things like really decelerate, you know what I mean? Yeah. And flip. Yeah. Nothing's, nothing's more fun to, to, to put a short on a long that you've ridden. Like, you know, again, I'm not saying you're going to short PSA, but like something like a PSA or something, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> again, well, yeah. there's one, there's one, um, NSA uh, national storage affiliates that I haven't okay. spent a lot of time on. Okay. Um, oh, like, I mean, the, sp- the space is so cor- like highly correlated, but that right. one has like nine times leverage where the rest of the space is like between wow. four and six. Yeah. So like I'm eyeballing something like that for an outlier on the style factor front. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that goes back to like your conversation last uh, Wednesday when, you know, again, thank you. You're, you're too kind to join uh, on a regular oh, basis. No, but but uh, yeah, it goes back to kind of like that conversation we had about leverage, right? And like kind of, you know, in a, in a quad, you know, in a, in a shallow quad one environment or a quad one environment in general, those type of leverage plays, you know, you know, rip to the upside or certainly get, you know, bid up more quickly more aggressively um because they're not you know they, they obviously have more torque right but then on the flip side in a quad four environment you know they also go down a lot faster so it's like it's like yeah, you know yeah. t- timing it appropriately or picking out the right one so uh for those that are are new you know that was uh nsa a little sneak peek into something uh, that might be coming in the future uh, i'm certainly yeah. that down in the notebook on a on a wednesday here so you know we Definitely. got 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 a lot of a lot of um a lot of you know thanks for joining you know, i see thousand there x2 turtle you know fractic cat got a lot of friendly faces on here so thank you again for for joining um you know this yeah, hey rob of, i'll uh, i'll yeah. put i'll go on mute and just take a back seat so oh, you guys super. can do your thing yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to do two sessions today. Uh, so this one's going to be a little tight because the wifey's got uh, a yoga class at six and I need to take care of the the wee ones. Um, but then we'll pop back on tonight around 830 and kind of finish up, uh, you know, whatever we didn't didn't discuss um, or didn't get a chance to, to, to review um, this afternoon. Uh, so, yeah, we can kind of dive in. We can either open up to questions, Jimmy. Unfortunately, had a little bit of bad news. So, um, you know, his his dog's um, at the vet right now. Uh, so, everybody, please, uh, you know, send some prayers and love for for Jimmy and, and his uh, really cute bulldog. Uh, he's, he shared a picture with me or with a kind of a, a group. And um, so, yeah, so that's unfortunately some some bad Sandbox. news. But uh, hey, I really yeah, appreciate Jim, that. Yeah, man. And, uh, sending sending all the love your way, my man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think. You know, hopefully if you're executing today, you were selling a lot. Uh, that's certainly my biggest takeaway. I had a ton of sales again, two days in a row, um, you know, basically shoring up cash and um, X2, you know, made a comment about, you know, he was pretty certain that that coach is going to be sending a signal on, on, on uh, US dollar at some point, and And he did, which is awesome. Uh, so I think that was a great, I, I was in a couple conference calls here at the close. So I missed those last, couple rtas 
Uh, so the short Norway, and then he covered EXAS. Got it. Uh, so Norway is obviously pretty standard. If you're paying attention, um, I've already I'm already short Russia. Uh, so pretty much oil in general sucks, and I think that's the general. Um, rather than hitting the button again on USO, he he went to Norway. Um, yeah. Which, were you able to short Norway at all? Because no, I, I have TD, but I couldn't borrow it. I I did I did not try. Honestly, I was in. Obviously, had calls from like yeah. you, you might not have noticed it on Twitter because I was only half paying attention to my conference calls. But uh, <laughs> but I, I couldn't. I didn't really execute. And uh, but yeah. you're spot on about USO though, right? He didn't want to hit the button twice. I, I layered into that, so I shorted a little bit more at the end of the day. Yeah, that's. That, I mean, I I, I kind of got in you know oil a little bit yesterday. I mean, again, like small, like twenty five pips, and then added added about you know another seventy five. So I got about a hundred pips short on oil today. Um, after he kind of hit that button, and then obviously incrementally kind of added more as it sort of going not not going away from us, but just sort of after after he he ta- he tagged that button, it obviously moved higher. Um, but that's definitely a big one. I think we're shaping up. I mean, the market's certainly dictating or sort of you know conveying a bit of a hybrid quad one quad four right i mean quad one was you know kind of today in general right what was um what was leading sorry guys um the u.s sector yeah i mean you had uh consumer tech healthcare real estate with your top four and then materials in terms of uh you know daily day performance and in terms of one month price momentum i doubt things have shifted much yeah you got reeds healthcare staples utes and then tech is you know basically with the momentum the last few days has kind of regained uh one month single single strength the interesting thing that i'm just noticing right here and you guys are getting this real time so bear with me um the energy is only about uh, 11 basis points away from gaining uh regaining one month momentum uh so that's xle so that's it's definitely something to you know pay attention to. I think FractiCat, uh, Joe, you um, you sent a tweet around, I believe, yesterday, saying, you know, there's there's a potential for a squeeze here, or certainly kind of a, a, a gap higher that people are going to chase. They're going to you know say reflation or what have you. You know, deflation certainly isn't in play anymore. They're going to kind of get 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 basically churned churned up and spat out um when when things really kind of hit the fan or or so to get more settled down in q1 uh, and i think that's exactly what's happening right commodities uh you know oil in particular energy sort of trying to make a a bid here to kind of regain one month momentum you yeah you've got you know you got, got a lot of different components here um but joe cat do you want to say something along those lines REITs are still, yeah, Rob, REITs are still, I mean, strong. I mean, XLRE, NVNQ, another kind of different, basically underlying components in there, but they're, they're, the, they're the top dog in a one-month momentum. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's, um, I don't know the under subsectors there, but is there, and then, I mean, home builders are two point, right behind them in terms of like U.S. industries. Do you have, uh, I mean, do you have favorites just while we're like, since they are so strong right now, do you have any favorite like subsectors at the moment inside that REIT world? Yeah, I mean, I um, I've been very bullish uh, on the um, the coastal gateway apartment names, which yeah. Con- yeah, which conveniently actually make up a pretty big portion of the index. Um, yeah. So AVB is up there, EQR is up there, Essex. Yeah. Um, I mean, like what, what what's going to happen too is and because- is, are those both in XLRE and VNQ? Or are they bigger in one of the? Again, I can do this research myself, but I don't know if you know that off the top of your head. 
I'm pretty sure that AVB is a top 10 or 12 for both. Okay. And maybe e- EQR and ESS move around a little bit more. Um, okay, no problem. Yeah, but, but they're, yeah, they're larger cap names. So like you, um, you're seeing like PSA has been catching a big real, relative because it's a huge part of the index. And then yeah. the other, other stuff that's top of the list are uh, the data centers and the towers. So okay. um, AMT, uh, Equinix, EQIX, yep. uh, D- DLR. Um, those are kind of... Oh, uh, it, there's another company, another office company called a- uh, Alexandria Realty, ARE. They do life sciences. Okay. Um, basically, all the large cap stuff's been outperforming. Got it. That makes sense. Oh, and then uh, on the towers, also uh, Crown Castle. Um I think that's CCI, I believe, and uh, SBAC, SBA Communications. They're all big components. Okay. And uh, what, one thing that's interesting really quick, uh, the, the towers and the data centers love Quad 4. Love it, love it, love it, love it, um, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, what's the back test like that? Um, I know, obviously, they've got that larger cap, um, somewhat more S&P-like exposure. For a while, I think, over the last few years, there have been a couple of periods where they've been really correlated with the tech names. Yes. So, like, when, when the data centers were signing those mega deals, you know, they were tracking the FANG stocks pretty tightly for a few quarters, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious to, you know... I wish I could... Um... The dynamics are different... Yeah, I, I wish I could share my screen right now. I'm actually pulling up our um, our backtest model, and I, I want to pull. Bear with me for a second. I'm going to pull up. Yeah, uh, okay. don't want to put you on the spot, but that was no, 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 no. Came through my head. No, no, it's it's a good uh, it's a good question. So like Equinix, um, let me pull up Equinix really quick because they're the they're the big dog. Um, they've been around for a while. EQI. E- I was going to say that's EQIX, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's EQIX. Okay, that so is a, that is a strong signal. So yeah, so looking at well, loves quad one. Um, the batting average is like seventy five percent, and uh, the the average or like expected value is something like a, a high twenty well mid twenty percent. So call it like twenty three. Um, and the one thing that I like I've like learned to pay more attention to is kind of like how they handle the the quad pivots. So like if and when. We go from one to four. Uh, the average return is like six percent in a quad four, and it, it only has one, um, actually one quad four state or one quad four degree or, or you know, kind of transition where there's a negative return, and that's a deep quad four, um, which could matter. Um, but pretty much every other like state in quad four is a huge positive return relative. I wish I could share this, like somehow share my screen, but unfortunately I can't. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's how I characterize it. But again, just a back test. But yeah, but sig- if it's if it's got a strong signal, it makes that makes sense dovetailing with that. Definitely, cool. Cool. You got it. My last question on the REITs was just like, I know every year. You know, after a strong year like this year, there's maybe a bit of a January effect. Typically, managers will look at names that have just really underperformed for a quick rebound or something like that. But I wonder if we're going into a quad four and if a lot of those names have 
underperformed for some time on style exposures. Have you spoken to any of the buy siders to get a sense of yeah. where they see value today? There's such a big dichotomy between like how the generalists look at REITs from a style factor and then me yeah. looking at the implied cap rates with like massive premiums everywhere and like it's like being in PLD for the seventh year in a row, right? Like, <laughs> what do you do when it's trading at, you know, like, yeah, what do you do as an active manager? I, I do wonder if there's any incremental inclination, let's say, to to dip into the risk curve, but that hasn't really worked. Yeah. Well, you know, one, a couple of things that I'm hearing. Um, so believe it or not, uh, people still like the, S the, the buy side, both like long only and long short, like the SFRs here, um, especially as they kind of lagged in the second half of this year. Um, people are still pretty bold up on them. The apartments are uh, rolling over a little bit in terms of sentiment. Um, I, I personally think that like the coastal gateway, there's going to be this interesting divergence between like the MAAs of the world and like the EQRs or ABBs, at least on a, a relative basis with like MAA underperforming. Um, but in terms of like sector laggards, a lot of people are taking a look at the strips. Um, so like your Bricksmores, your FRTs of the world, um, which do work well in a quad four. Uh, and, and I think like have obviously lagged for a variety of reasons, maybe not, maybe not in the, you know, in like the third quarter, but, uh, I am hearing a lot of people talk about the, uh, the strips and, and then finally healthcare, which candidly, like I know the least, I mean, Jimmy, you know, like covering healthcare yeah. is a, it's a full-time job. <laughs> and totally. I, yeah, I, I, the more I, I cover those companies, the more like, I, I totally get why they, there's like a complexity discount. There's still yeah. a lot of reimbursement risk. There's changing business models, right? Changing asset classes. Um, not super clean. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then, so like just acknowledging my own weakness and like Keith always says, like saying what, what you don't know, it, it matters. Like I, I personally don't know the healthcare names well. Um, one thing that's going to be uh, that I, I think is also going to be really interesting, uh, the timber REITs as a short. I'm thinking about that a little bit, um, especially as like we've seen commodity prices roll over. Lumber hasn't followed. And like obviously the timber REITs are very like highly correlated with lumber prices. Um, it's It could be interesting, uh, but I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about how to tackle it. But you hear that a little bit as well as like a potential short name. So that would be like, uh, you know, Weyerhaeuser, Rainier. Cool, man. Thanks for the... Uh, you got And for those um, that are wondering, and if you bought wood as a commodity play, um, that ETF is not exposure to timber. Uh, just to give you a heads up, that's actually an exposure to the underlying... Um, equities for the most part that uh in you know that invest in and in produce timber so uh weyerhauser who um wy is the ticker that's about a eight and three quarters weight inside of wood w-o-o-d um so when that times comes or if you listen to the call and reed says or sorry reed rob says that he is uh, going bearish on on them and you don't necessarily want to pick one particular one you could always go to wood um, but it is typically on the short side, better to, uh, say short the underlying and maybe go long the ETF. So, you know, go short WY, long wood, um, you know, in proportion and, uh, it's a great way to kind of be a little bit neutral.
but most of you are pretty savvy investors and probably already knew that. Uh, so um, getting back to the notebook, um, anything standing out to anybody? You've got a lot of speakers here. So Joe Cat, uh, Chris, hey, can Mike. I just ask, uh, can I just yeah, ask Rob yeah, yeah, just one more question? Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Question. Mike, yeah. Um, U-Haul on the, uh, in a quad four, does that play out? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, well, I want to, I, you know, it's funny. I, I want to obviously like to the, I, I know the fundamental thesis there. Right. And it, to me, it's a long, but the signal is going to matter a lot more. Um, when, when, like when the time comes, but just in terms of like the quads. So U-Haul loves quad one. Um, it's kind of got like a, uh, at least historically, and it, it has a pretty like long historical back test. It, it works best in quad one at like maybe a like a 13, 13% or so expected value and a, and a 75-ish percent batting average. So so pretty good. Quad four um, actually likes it as well. It, it doesn't do well in quad three. So it hates quad three. Um, quad four is like not quite as, as bullish as, as a quad one, um, but it's still like has a positive you know expected value like anything else though deep quad four it's it's a kind of a shit show um but you know for what it's everything's a shit show right but it it you know there's no reason not to like it um based solely on like a uh a normal or quote-unquote average quad four okay thanks i appreciate it and while we still have Rob, I was wondering, um, you had said Blackstone was making a purchase the other day? Yeah, yeah. So they, a couple things. Um, and I, I was just wondering what you think of Blackstone itself, because I like that company. <laughs> uh, hey, Leslie, how's it going? Um, <laughs> hey, how's it going? Nice. I think, I don't think we've talked before. Nice to talk to you. Finally. Nice to talk uh, to you. We've yeah. chatted forever. um you know i i don't mean to like punt but i um i have to defer to josh steiner on that one simply because yeah i was wondering if it was more of a financials well here's what i would say so it's it's interesting like it behaves like a financial but it's a massive real estate company uh, where it has massive real estate exposure so what it's been doing, it has this really interesting structure in addition to its like legacy real estate funds called the B REIT or the Blackstone REIT. It's it's actually like a private REIT, non-traded, that functions as like a fund entity and pays fees up to Blackstone. And it's such a massive pool of capital at this point with so many assets jammed into it that the only way to really like move the needle on their fees and on returns is to like do big chunky deals. So Blackstone just bought um, a chunk of one Manhattan West on the West side for, I think like it was a multi-billion dollar purchase. Uh, they just bought the apartment assets out of uh, BRG for over $3 billion. So they're, they're, what they're doing is they're putting big chunks of capital to work rather than like onesie or twosie little deals that aren't going to move the needle for them. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So that's what's going on there. Okay. They always used Thank to say you. that when, when Blackstone sells, it's time to get out, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, so they actually, they spit the bit a little bit on Invitation, right? Invitation was a, um, a Blackstone, Invitation Homes, INBH, was a Blackstone uh, portfolio company. They kind of like incubated it and then 
um, took it public and gradually sell, sold down their exposure because they thought that like the trade was done in single family homes. And now just this past year, they've kind of, or last 18 months, they've gotten back into the space in a big way. Um, so generally, yes, but not always. Um, it's actually, I find it more interesting to, like that they're getting back into single family rentals, even after the run it's had, to be honest. I just remember in, in I think it was, was it 07 or 08? I think it was 08, the last single name deal with extended stay. I well, was... EOP, they, they took equity office properties and uh, Hilton private too. Um, EOP and Hilton were kind of like the last gasp of uh, the real estate take private. And yeah, they, they did have extended stay and it kind of turned into a little bit of a shit show and they had to clean it up and stuff. But uh, um, EOP, EOP and Hilton, I think, were the very last big deals they did in real estate at least. Right before the, yeah, before the crash. Yeah, Jimmy, hand up. Yeah, I wanted to continue on the, the notebook review. I know we were touching on a few things earlier about energy and XLY, a, a couple of things that don't look quite as good, making a run maybe on lower volume, right? I thought it was interesting how, um, going back to the notebook, XLY had a three-week stint on the risk ranges, December 1st, and you know here we are, I got booted for XLRE. Um, but, uh, you know, Keith... He's benching that name, but uh, today hit 200. So uh, I'm not sure what trend is, but maybe it just got back to bullish trend. It was teetering there. It, it made a series of much lower lows, right? For a while, the low was like like 199, around 200, uh, but then it went down to 190. Uh, so curious to hear what you guys think. Um, you know, again, Amazon, Tesla. Just the fact that it's been choppy, you know, the, the signal strength doesn't look great. Um, but yeah. uh, maybe it was just like a near-term thing for XLY. Sorry, I think I think you said XLY, but you meant XLI, right? Industrials. Oh, yeah. You know what? I was I was referring to to both. You're right. XLI got okay. booted. Um, XLI got booted. Keith and Keith mentioned on the morning show how he's been punting XLY, right? He benched it. Correct. Um, in his yeah. PA, but it, it, since his benching, right, it, it went from 190 to 200, so it kind of recaptured some key levels, but I don't know how sustainable that is. Correct, and I think, you know, obviously XLY, you know, some of the bigger underlyings is going to be Tesla, Amazon, uh, that kind of thing, right? So both of those were negative this morning, right? Uh, Tesla, I suspect, regained um, positive risk like positive um trend or like uh yeah a positive trend whereas amazon still kind of flat like again it was up today but it's kind of you know flailing on it was up on pretty low volume given it's you know uh average one month volume so you know i suspect that's the, that the amazon's probably the biggest there jimmy would be my humble opinion uh in terms of what's driving that xly and again xly is neutral so you know why own it when you can be along something like an itb or xlk um, or even XLRE, right? Where where he added yeah. that this morning, this morning. So I think it's I think it's probably more just like signal strength versus, you know, I you know he doesn't necessarily like it. Uh, but yes, I, I, um, I he, he I think it was the twentieth. So that was what Monday. Um, he he mentioned that he was all out of XL XLY, uh, in in the in his like you know top ten macro positions. Uh, so yeah, definitely, definitely something that I've been trimming um, into this strength the last uh, two days is is XL XLY first. 
ITV as well. Obviously, you know, we got that RTA um, earlier today and, and kind of just, again, I mean, like with VIX and Vixen where they are at like basically one month lows uh, for the most part um, on both of them. Uh, yeah, very deceptive, right? Both yeah, not range, correct, right? And like, if you if you weren't selling today, you definitely weren't uh, executing on the process. Um, you know, if you weren't trimming across the board again, maybe you know, yesterday, you know, I certainly trimmed some, um, you know, because again, it was trending lower. But who knew who knew what it was going to do today? Well, today it got truly to like almost the bottom of the range. What if you fix closed at like eighteen sixty three, and and low end of the range today was eighteen oh four on the sheet. So let's get one more day um, of rally. How about that? Right, yeah, right no, Christmas, I mean, that, right? Why not? That'd be, that'd be fine. That'd be fine with me. Uh, but again, just from a process oriented standpoint, I think you know you, you really got to stick with it, and it's something that I I really have worked on really hard and, and executed actually executed well in the last kind of like two weeks is patience in terms of when to kind of deploy the capital and not, not worrying about kind of missing something, but then being ready when you were, did get some, you know, the volatility spikes or stuff was at the low end of the range, like, like Tesla right the other day was a great example. Um, you know, I actually, even though it was kind of negative in the, in, in the, on the pin sheet, it, it just, it was just, the price action just basically, it was at the low end of the range. Vixen looked like it was rolling over. And now, you know, two days later, again, I sold it well below 1,012 because I wasn't going to fucking run with, with a negative. Um, it was something that was, you know, negative on the pin sheet. Uh, but, you know, it's now at, you know, 1,012, you know, just above the, you know, the risk range. Um, so, again, these, these things, I think it's just really important to kind of just have your eyes um, and kind of understand where do you want to kind of deploy that capital when, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Right. And now you're, you've earned the reward, which is something that I in the past have not done in terms of, um, you know, take money off the table when I'm right. Right. I mean, there's like, you know, <laughs> some of these names have run four, five, 10, 12% in the last, like literally two to three days, uh, since the lows on Monday. So, you know, depending on where you bought in, even if it was on the 17th, when, uh, you know, coach was a bit more, you know, quote, unquote bullish, I would say on the 17th, when he was setting out some RTAs, even if you know you got prime opportunities to trim some of that today, you know, you know, in in the green, and now you can just sit and kind of wait for an opportunity to deploy that. Um, you know, whether it comes tomorrow or next week or in early Q1, there's always something to be buying at the low end of the range. Um, so that that'd be my two cents. But great call out though, Jimmy, in terms of like the XLI getting booted, uh, and he also sent that rock like RTA right, saying that industrials just don't perform as well in 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 a quad one. Uh, you know, narrow quad one, shallow quad four, and certainly not into a deep quad four. Uh, you know, Joe, yeah, follow me. Yeah, just wanted to follow up. I know you referenced my my tweet from earlier. I think, uh, and, and we were kind of touching on this in our in our chat. I I kind of, I mean, we're, you know, whether we're, we're still officially in the chop, we're, we're right around the chop bucket of volatility, right? I kind of look at it as in, in the land of, of the chop, mean reversion is king, right? So then, mm -hmm. and I was kind of touching on that to you is, there are points I think where the risk ranges have maybe less value than, than other times. And it feels like we're at a point now where they have a, a lot of value, maybe it, maybe more than ever before. And, you know, I know in the, the, the Facebook group, the learning, the process group, like almost a year ago, like the beginning of, of this year, we were all kind of ha having the opposite problem where like we were taking profits at the top ends of, of ranges and the things we liked and they would keep running. And it was like, Oh, how do I, how do I stay with something? How do I stay size with something to make sure I'm, I'm capturing as much as I can. 
this feels like the opposite. And, and, and not only that, it feels like these, these OODA loops, if you will, are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Like, just even like you, you kind of separate the math from the feelings. I mean, just over the last, I mean, maybe even the last three months, the whole quarter, but even over the last, especially the last couple of weeks, the, these elation feelings at the high and you kind of, you sense it on Twitter, you sense it with the market, you sense it, you're watching, you know, CNBC, that it's like, we're, we're right there. We're right at all time highs. Everything's bullish. There's not a cloud in the sky. And then a few days later, the world's ending. And like that, we went through that last week into Monday morning, the world was ending. And then, you know, yesterday and today, now it's sunshine and puppy dogs. And that, that's kind of why I'm, I'm, I'm looking very closely now at that, the, the VIX risk range and, and where we are within the range of the VIX. And even now, like you just said, if you're not selling today, you're not executing on the process because the, the world could be ending tomorrow, Friday, or market's closed Friday, but next week, you know, we could, <laughs> we could very easily go right back into, into that sort of world ending feeling. And then eventually that's going to change. There's going to be a point where there's persistence yeah. and the persistence could be to the downside. And so just to take it back to the tweet that you referenced, that's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay focused on what is and not, you know, predict the future and make a call, but it feels like that's lining up the way I'm kind of thinking about it with what Keith is saying is there's really two scenarios, at least on the table right now, there's we're in quad one and we're going to get a little bit of quad one or we're already in quad four and it's just going to take some time for the data to reflect that. And either way, it's either there's going to be this head fake into January, that beginning of the year, suck everybody back into the whether it's inflation trade, inflation names, and then dip over, or that persistence starts now. So that that's kind of where I, my focus is 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 on, on the volatility. See if that you know if that trend were to change, or if you know where we are in the chop changes, and and there's a little bit of persistence there. That's that's kind of the at the top of my list for which of those scenarios are we are we in? Are we going to get quad one? And if we do, it may not be for that long. Hey, hey, Joe, really, really quick. That line in, in the land of the chop, the risk range is king. I freaking love that, man. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it, I think it could be, you know, there are points where it's persistent. You want to you want to kind of run with it and, and, you know, let let your stay stay with size, capture that trend. And then there's points where you got to play the mean reversion. I, I feel like it's been mean reversion for a while. I don't want to say I feel the, the, the math is indicating that it's been mean yeah. reversion for a while. And that's going to change. It just doesn't seem to be there yet. And I think that's that's kind of how Keith is playing it. And he, he's, you know, th there's there's points where he's like riding it. And then there's points where he's he's in and out and he's bouncing at, at both ends of the ranges. And it, it's felt very much the past couple of weeks like he's he's bouncing. He's bullish. He's bearish. He's bullish. He's bearish because the oh, man is telling him to do that. He's he's in full on trading mode right now, like full yeah, on exactly. power, power trading mode. And yep. I could see that frustrating some people, especially, especially, it certainly it, it, it was, tough, it was a tough learning curve for me, but there's, yeah, there's, yeah. there's me different too. kinds of Keith and there's, there's a, there's a, there's a very particular kind of Keith that's, that's trading right now. And it's, it, it pays to trade the way that he's trading or, or hey, not hey, at all. You know, really quick, I, I, I don't mean to butt in, but this actually may be useful to you guys. You know how, like he says sometimes on the call or on the, uh, the macro show, he'll be like, you know. When I get off the macro show, I go and stand and like run my process and like don't talk to anybody for a couple of hours. That that is like absolutely true. I I, <laughs> I made the mistake when I first started. Not really a mistake because Keith's like a really nice guy. Um, I, I went over to him and I was like, yeah, you know, just said good morning and like he was not interested in it at all and like engaging with me because he was like <laughs> running his process. I learned really early on, like let him let him do his thing and then get back like around noon. So anyway, 
quick, quick interjection. <laughs> you know, bring him, bring him a salad and and maybe a coffee or diet coke. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know uh, what? That's too. That's too funny. Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, yeah. No, it's something that I was thinking about. Um, just talking about. It's something that whether we're there or whether we're not, it's where we're kind of going to. But in quad four, there's not that much to buy. So if people have been struggling in quad two with getting into names and riding them, when there's like a thousand names that you can pick from because, you know, the tide lifts all boats, then people are going to really struggle with quad four when there's only like 30 things that you can buy. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and and most of them are fixed income and gold right? exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. like you know or, there's only or, like or yeah or like or uup which is like the most boring thing ever <laughs> exactly so if you don't like if you don't nail your core positions at the right time then then you can really screw up because you know you can all everyone gets trapped in that oh i i make a 1% starter position or whatever. And then I'll, then I'll add to it and then you never get a chance to add to it. So yeah, if you've been, no, if you've been struggling, and, if you've been struggling to get into something and like an, an equity ETF that a core position is well three and a max position is six, whatever, then how are you ever going to get to like 12% in UUP? <laughs> yeah. And the, I mean, X, like reach is a great example, right? XR, XRE um, on, on, on Friday, it barely, you know, rolled over and basically closed, you know, basically closed relatively flat. And then on Monday, you know, we had the big sell-off, but it, it got to like the quote-unquote middle of its range. It got only down to like just sub 49. So, yeah, I mean, if you didn't buy then, I mean, you're now, you know, it's back up, you know, it's basically a buck higher. And it's it's a it's a tough thing to do, but it's, it's really important to like understand, okay, what are my kind of, you know, core asset allocations that I want to get exposure to? And to add incrementally to them, uh, Gavin, you're, you're or Mitchell, or either one. <laughs> What's ahead, up, Gavin. guys? Oh, hey, guys! I got to run really quick. Hey. I uh, got to get dinner for the kids. Have a nice, have a nice night. Thanks for including. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, Appreciate it. Gavin, what's yours? What's up? What's going on? Good. I was just gonna add on to the XLRE. I thought it would be interesting just to compare and contrast it to XLY. Um, you know, like it, just looking back at my notebook for me, XLY, actually, I never bought it, you know, um, I never bought it. Um, and I guess, you know, some might question that, but for me, the signal ever since it, you know, entered my notebook, it was never really strong enough for me to really want to get in there on days. So XLK and then ITB came in, um, you know, I guess it was like a few days after xly um and so those were the two horses and then you know i just wanted to say like for me just so you guys know like xlre today first day it's in i get to gauge the signal strength and you know i put a half position uh half size position on immediately you know so to what chris was saying like sometimes you just you, you like for me i just need to put money where it needs to be um, and XLRE comes in today and it's just strong enough for my own process to know, okay, well, I need to put some money there immediately. Whereas XLY came in and I didn't see the same strength, you know? So 
Um, I guess it's like, you know, to each his own, like you, you guys may see that or may not, but for how I track things in my notebook, um, that's how it went down for me, you know, and we'll see how, how reads do, but I mean, given what we're seeing, you know, and how Keith is starting to signal, uh, I'm happy with just getting some money in play there, you know? So, um, you guys mind if I say something? No, please go right up. I didn't know who was next. I apologize. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I've been writing my monthly, and I, I go back and forth with uh, my editor, who's uh, who's in Vancouver, and we both chuckled a couple days ago as we're going back and forth with these edits, and we're talking about positioning. And he he made an analogy which was hysterical. He, he said, "You remember when you were, you know, a teenager?" You never really got in trouble when you didn't get fucked up and you left the party early. It was usually the guys who stayed at the party a little later that either got arrested or did something stupid or whatever. It, it, it just made me laugh because then Keith wrote this morning in the early look, you know, I, I can't even remember what he did, but his last sentence was basically along those lines. If I'm early, I'm early, but, you know, it, it's going to happen soon basically. So I, I can't help but to think, even if we do go to, a, when we do go to a quad four, because we're going to get there, it's quad fours, even in the things that do well, are still going to have shitty days. Like quad fours are pretty ugly. You get more of the negatives than you do the positives. So oh, there yeah. are going to be times, there are going to be a lot more times in those quad fours where you can get the low end of the range. So, you know, buying dollars is his, with Keith's last couple of RTAs, I'm buying dollars, right? I'm, I'm putting some of that green money to work in dollars and just basically sitting there, parking it there. I'm, I'm okay buying green. The patience, I think, becomes much more the key in a quad four and, and, you know, not being afraid to hold the money on the side, pick your spots on your stronger stronger names but be greedy to the downside wait for it to get to the downside because i i, I can't remember you know e even in a handful of the quad fours q4 2018 i wasn't following hedge eye but i didn't know it was a quad four at the time but there wasn't much going up regardless of notebooks or no notebooks most things still got hammered during that three week time period four week time period and and obviously we know in uh, uh, the first quarter of last year, everything got smoked. Even bonds got smoked right off the bat, right? Yep. So yep. you know it, 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 you know everything got smoked. So it's quad four. You know, while I know cash isn't something that he likes to go to, or it's not professional or whatever. If it's UUP is your cash or whatever your cash is at the time, you know, don't be afraid to navigate that quad four um, deliberately, like Gavin. He's waiting. He, he waited on that XLRE. The signal strength wasn't strong enough. Don't be afraid to be selective in a quad four. Not losing money is much more important than making money in a quad four. Because then you have the ability to just you know, push to whatever you want as the Fed comes out with their next innovation or whatever it's going to be. Who knows what they're going to come out with? Who knows? But you know they're going to be cutting rates at some point in time. You know they're going to start buying, buying back in, in a deflationary time frame, and that quad four could last two quarters. We just don't know. 
So that, that's my only thought. Yeah, right, actually, Mitchell, I, I was going to just add in there that, you know, Keith switching to, to more fixed income longs is kind of his way of saying it's better to just be safe and earn less. You know, heading into a 100%. I'd agree with you. I, I'd, I would, you put it more succinctly than I did. So thank you. <laughs> I think Not that's a to, good point. I mean, because. Not hard to do, Mitchell. No, I'm just teasing. So go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Gavin. <laughs> I think that's a good point because, you know, it's actually, I, I find it much easier to be, um, you know, to have a portfolio on where I can be long equities and fixed income. I mean, just something really simple. Like if you look at, you know, SPY and TLT, um, over 2021, there were only six weeks where both of those markets in the same week were, were red. So if you just think about that, like you have more, it's easier. It's not old wall. It's just like when you have fixed income longs and equity longs on, it's easier to just have more balance in the portfolio. You know, and I think what Mitchell's talking about it is important to, to remember how quad fours kind of play out. It, it's like they don't get priced in right away. Like you have to get ahead of it, but there, you know, the equity component, like you can see things shifting, you know, in rates and different things pointing towards the quad four, but the equities are going to come out of nowhere. And it's just going to be that liquidity event where, if, if it really does happen that way, where just everything goes down, everything is getting sold, like to Mitchell's point, but it happened like that's not like a whole month of that. That's like that that one week, you know, where it's like equities, bonds, gold, everything is getting liquidated, you know, like that's a quad for if you if we actually get that kind of event. But it's not like you have a whole month or two of that, you know. So I think it's important to remember, but so you, you start building out, I think like what Keith is doing is you're starting to build out that fixed income side. And to the point I made before, then you start to have more balance in the portfolio. Um, so maybe it's easier to stay because look, S&P is still bullish trend. And I think it was Monday, uh, Keith called out the trend, actually the trend level for the S&P 500. I don't know if anyone noticed that. It's 4519. Yeah, 4519. When's the when's the last time you heard Keith call out the trend line for the S&P 500? He hasn't done it uh, once in 2021 probably. But and also when was the right? last time you heard when was the last time you heard him refer or suggest that the Nasdaq or Qs are making a lower high? Lower high at the same time, you know, Russell goes bearish trend. So there's right. definitely some things happening. It's not time to get freaked out. It's still like, hey, I'm long S&P. I think we're going to make all-time highs. Right. Uh, VIX is still bearish trend, you know? Yep. Uh, it's tightened back up quite nicely, actually, where I think it could tighten up. We might get one more head fake, you know, higher. And then, you know, what's your portfolio going to look like in three weeks if the VIX is at 16? What's it going to look like? You know, because I could definitely see equities running in Q1 before you know, we have kind of like another volatility spike and then maybe that one develops into something else and and VIX goes bullish, you know, who knows? But well, that's it, well, that's kind of what happened in February yeah, 2020 last, right? last year, last year. That's exactly right. Everyone like every, I know it's because at the time I took a I took a job helping a friend out and I was driving. So I had my podcasts and stuff running pretty much all day. Well, yeah, until about two o'clock. I'd normally finish about two. 
So I had a lot of stuff playing in the background and there was no end of people sort of commenting at that time. They were like, what the fuck is going on? There's people like dropping dead in China and Apple is making an all time high. Like, <laughs> and I know, um, um, I'm, t- I'm kind of, I'm following a lot of Mike Green stuff cause I'm making a couple of videos taught how it like kind of link in his, um, passive thing with passive, Android. passive thought. Yeah. It's crazy. And he, and the way he kind of explains it is it was just enough of the active managers sold because they were listening to these things and reading these things. Whereas the likes of all the big aggregators, they don't care. They just buy. If you pay into it, they buy stuff. So it was just enough of the active managers. On those passive. Yeah. So there was just enough active managers just tipped over the edge, which sent everything crashing. And I just wonder at what point, because you can still hear, like whoever mentioned it, earlier on you can still kind of hear it. people are still people are still talking about thing new highs and all this sort of stuff like at what point at what point does the realization come right I, I think it i think it's important to note also though you're looking at shallow quad four quad one possibly for q1 and then you're looking at back-to-back quad fours which is not what we had or, which was not what was on the pin sheet, I don't believe, back last year, right? So you put two quarters of back-to-back quad four. It might be more than we anticipate, Gavin, on that, you know, more than just a down week or so. Um, you know, it, it, it could be a prolonged scenario. And then the questions then the questions come in, when does the Fed try to create a new innovation and some of you guys on that loop that we have know my thoughts on that. You know, I, I, I find it difficult to believe that you have Republicans, Democrats agreeing on anything and, and, and they're going to be needed to create that new innovation based upon the cares act, getting rid of those innovations. Right. So there, there, there's more to think about. And obviously we just try to plan for most scenarios, most scenarios as we can think of, but those are definitely thoughts to keep in mind. Yeah, Mitchell, I, I think that, uh, no, you're right. And I didn't mean to say that. I, I think we were talking off just, you know, back-to-back quad fours, uh, two quarters. That would be something, well, that we haven't had that in a while. Um, but uh, I, I guess I was just kind of referring to, you know, when it does happen, if and when, just kind of a reminder, like, yeah, all asset classes will go down like in a liquidity event. And that doesn't mean, you know, you shouldn't have your bonds on, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, just to remember, like, that's how it usually plays out in a series, you know, like, uh, I don't know, just look back at all those kind of liquidity events, everything that, gets sold. And that's the the acute event, as opposed to the, the chronic kind of drawing out of quad four. And I think you see, you often see both at different points within mm-hmm. within a quad four. So like in, in March, 2020, there was that acute event. Like I, I distinctly remember that day we were long gold. Keith was bullish gold. And there was a day that he, he sold all his gold on red and it was, it saved everyone who listened to it, a, a 10% haircut. Um, and it was, it was the beginning of that, that super acute event into the beginning of March of 2020. I think even bonds, bonds ripped to the upside. Then they sold off, everything sold off. So it's like, how do you prepare for that? You either 
you know, you've got you've got things you can put on that are going to work for that sort of chronic stress of quad four. So bonds, gold, REITs, utilities. But then those acute events, there's really nothing you could you're either short or you're carrying a larger than uh, a larger cash position than you otherwise would or you're going to take it on the chin. And I I, I think that acute kind of uh, uh, event that happens is is what it's certainly what what hurts me the most, because I think I don't have within my process in the way that I'm structuring my portfolio and making those decisions week to week, I, they, they tend to catch me by surprise, the, the acute events. And I think it's the opposite of those sort of acute events in a quad one or two environment where it's by the damn dip. And, I, and that's what caught me off guard this year. So the worst period for me, which I'm sure was the case for a lot of people in 21 was, uh, I think it was October, like through October, where you had these acute dip events leading up to that. So there were there were four or five. It was like every OPEX every month, right, for the whole of 21, where it was like big, big, quick drop down, couple of days, buy the damn dip, and you're good three, four days later. And then you had that that slow grind materialize in October that I certainly wasn't prepared for. And I, I was way too long, and it kept going down day after day. So now you, you, you zoom out and see that sort of fractally over what we're talking about, two quarters of quad mm-hmm. four. People are going to get killed. Nobody's yeah, positioned for that, especially. Yeah, if, if they're not, if they're back, they're unaware. Yep. Sorry, go ahead, Joe. Yep. Yeah, Jimmy, I, I apologize. Go ahead. Is there a way? Yeah, is, is there a way to short? Sorry, Jimmy. Is there a way to short Substack? Because obviously, all these letter writers that have come out over the last eighteen months <laughs> are obviously going to get. On the back, on the back of all the hey, 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 Chris, this is, Chris, hey, I don't know. Hey, if, guys, I don't. This is exactly why I'm doing two sessions today because thousand era effects right there, Chris. We can't have. We love that British humor, my man. Well, I don't, Robert. Uh, Robert, Chris, I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, we've been blessed with greatness because I think Professor Plum, uh, Mike Green, is listening. I I didn't want to call it out, but I saw. So so I don't know. I don't know if he wants to say something, uh, or Chris and you and he want to have a conversation. But uh, I would be all ears for the next four hours. (laughs) Well, that that is interesting. Like it would be. I don't know if he can even comment on it right now but like what happens to all the passive money that's coming in um you know like if if s&p was bearish trend for a prolonged period you know like what what does that even look like (laughs) you know how does that work well the point is it it will still it'll always come in won't it yeah isn't that isn't that why isn't that why it bounced on the 24th of december 2018 isn't that why it was like the bounce was so acute in March, whatever it was, the twenty third, because the money the money comes back. I think it's well, the passive money never leaves. Yeah, the exactly. passive That's... money is constant. It's the active sellers that are the ones that are selling more than what the active buyers, what the passive buyers are buying, in in theory. But also, you can you can say, well, maybe it was the active buyers also adding to the passive buyers, and I don't know this. Mike's work is. Too, so granular, but it might have been the past the active buyers coming back and joining the passive buyers when the Fed basically backstopped every junk bond that that was trading. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't claim to, but it would. I'd love to hear it. Because the other part of what I've been looking, what I've been because you know I've, I don't know if you've seen. I posted a little while ago the 
you know, what the quad returns would have looked like at different parts of the year. So I've done like 2021, 2020, going all the way back to 2008. Yeah. And because the quad, because the quad is a quarter and it's still listed, so whichever quarter it is, so let's say it was quad, uh, sorry, uh, Q2 of 2020 was listed as a quad four. But obviously the S&P bounced on the 23rd of March. So what happened in Q2 has had a big effect, especially on something like GDX. Like GDX's expected return in quad four has jumped from like 3% to 7%. Because in quad four in March, you know, GDX went up like 57%. I think that that's part of one. That's one of two reasons, at least for me, why those the, the back tests, at least for the performance, need to be taken with a grain of salt. There's the 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 low end, like what you're talking about. It's a relatively small sample size for each one. Yeah. But then more more particularly for me, at least, it's the that they're not distinct events that begin on like the first day of the quarter. They're sort of know, exactly, more yeah. of this transition. Whereas something like active versus passive, and the and the dates with which passive funds are 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 allocated like those things are uh, i would think a little more distinct i mean mike green knows that stuff but you know way better than i do but that what you and uh and, and mitchell were talking about that was the the you're talking about the the sort of drastic bottom or pivot within march of 2020 right yeah yeah and so i like i the, the question i have about is like, there's the active and passive component but then there's there was the change in the Fed's policy position, right? And what everything that they did into March 2020 and the, and the sort of U-turn that they did, if you call it dovishly. And that's, that's kind of where my head is at for the next two quarters is they're, they're doing what they always do, but in an even more obvious way than, than I've ever seen, you know, in term, specifically in terms of tightening into a slowdown. And if I don't they're tightening know. But- but, but Keith, like Keith mentioned it the other day, he said, you know, he said Jay Powell's learned from 2018, right? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's, that's what he said. By, by he said, saying, sure. I don't know, like he hasn't tightened, he hasn't hiked. I think he's le- he learned from 2018. Well, I think the it gets so nebulous, right? It's there's There's official hikes, but the game... It's like it's almost like the the rate of change way he always speaks. It's it's like that with their policy position. It's it's never really about the hike. The hike is the absolute. It's the change in their tone or this that or the other Fed governor that's on TV that is is suggesting that they may or may not hike. Like that's I think the margin where the game is being played now, more so than the hike itself. I think the hike yeah. itself is the last thing. It's like the surface area. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but I think that's where I mean, getting back and, and Chris, you raise a good point in terms of um, you know back test, right? Because uh, you know this is a good example right here, right? Quad four, uh, sorry, um, Q four this year, you know it's a quad two environment, um, you know, and and yet you know some of these best performers kind of you know month to date or certainly in the last month have been. Uh, have been stuff that works better in the quad four environment, right? Like reads, healthcare, and consumer staples. Uh, I mean, they're all up basically around, you know, 
you know, between four and like five and a quarter percent. So, you know, it, 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 that's where the signal and the, the reviewing the, the risk ranges on a you know daily basis, which, you know, we all do, but keeping a really keen eye on those factors and, and noticing, as Gavin pointed out, that, you know, the comp Q um, ha- it put in a lower high at, at, at today at 15,760, right, versus being north of 16,000. Uh, and it doesn't mean, I mean, there's a big, there's a big range there between, you know, right now close at 15,521, right? So, I mean, there's still a lot of upside to the top end of the range. Um, but that is really because, you know, Vixen likely, again, we don't get that, that, that risk range, but, you know, I can imagine that Vixen risk range is somewhere between, you know, 20 on the low side and like 30, 35 on the top end. Right. So it's, you know, the wider the volatility bands are the, the greater the, you know, the, the, the width or the breadth of the, of the risk range and, and being cognizant of those and having, you know, shoring up your process so that you are selling into strength. Right. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world to to be incremental, both on the sell side and the buy side. So going back to kind of Gavin's point about, you know, bonds and having some of those defenders on and incrementally adding to them here on red can really pay dividends in Q2 or potentially Q3 um, because you kind of had that foresight, you know, Mike, um, X2, aka Mike, and I had a quick chat this morning about gold, right? I mean, the gold freaking rip today again uh gld and so it's like you know patience patience in these underlying securities because you know we're likely going to have some of these you know nuanced days or weeks where it's going to look like a bit more of a quad one or a bit more of a quad four or what have you and you're going to get opportunities to add incrementally to those positions that you're going to want on for kind of two to maybe three quarters going into the back of 2021 or 2022 excuse me and that's really where i'm focused in the last week and and i think you know a lot of guys here probably know that um because i've been tweeting about it and whatnot but like you know if you're not shoring up your book right now with this with vix at 18 and let alone if it gets to 16 um you're going to be in a world of fucking hurt um in q2 uh, or like back half of q1 and so you got to be cognizant of like where is your exposure where you know what has the best signal strengths to gavin point right like xlre it wasn't at the low end of the range but he still bought it today uh because that signal strength is really strong and it works well in both quads you know i think you know back test like you know around four percent quad one and like nine percent of quad four right so again you know joe, joe i know i just basically poo-pooed you know <laughs> back test but he's still got a yeah harp on something uh uh but de and sam you guys are both um have been kind of listening and and asked to speak and i I do unfortunately have to wrap up probably in the next 10 minutes, but we'll be back at this thing tonight at eight 30. Uh, but please, uh, the floor is yours uh, and, and, and we'll kind of kick it off or end it with, uh, with both of your kind of questions or comments. Uh, this is a, a DE is uh, David Edstom. Yeah. Nice uh, to meet the, you, only, David. the only comment I had, and maybe this is for eight 30 and that is you got to look at the duration uh, uh, of the uh, like BNDD. Uh, it's 18, which means 100 basis point drop in rates in the end will be about an 18% appreciation. Uh, and you can go through uh, uh, the various TLT is, is uh, shorter than that. You can find ones that are longer than that, like 24%. So think through, is there, is there a 100 basis point drop? Now, outside of the liquidity event, because the liquidity event uh, rates won't be normal 
but that's my primary comment. Uh, and I think the thing I grapple with is how long a duration do I go on the bond thing? Uh, and what hey, does that mean? to David, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I don't understand what you're saying. What, okay. what do you, what do you mean by oh, okay. the duration? And, duration. And the basis okay. Point you, drop? Yeah. You should, uh, find it on your, um, uh, broker dealer page. I'm on Schwab on all the bond ETFs. If you go down and it's probably on the other broker dealers, they'll give you a number for duration or effective duration, or you can go to the website of the ETF. The simple rule in duration, let's say if the duration is 18, a hundred basis point drop in rates will be an 18% increase in price. Gotcha. And did you just say BNDD was an 18? It was 18. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and that's not one of the one of the longest ones. You can find longer ones out there. I'm just going through it yeah, today. This still like, doesn't tell you what to do, but it's it's important yeah. to think about because well, if you're if rates go back up, we're wrong, and then that duration is going to kill you. So I can explain more uh, at eight thirty, or any other questions. No, I was going to say, David. You know, the other day Keith said. Uh, if we get a real quad four in Q2, expect a 10 year to get cut in half from here, you know? So yeah, that's not a well, hundred, but that's what, what is that? 70 basis points. So, yeah. So um, I'm just, he was in the hundred basis points because the hundred basis points translates to the, uh, typically people think in terms of duration as the percentage change in price, uh, for a hundred basis point move. And, you know, in the summer of 2020, uh, the 10-year was about 100 basis points lower than where we are now. Right. So basically, like, like uh, it's basically delta, delta so, fixing. So when Keith went to this to the IEF, he was uh, he said, "Well, I'm going to simplify it." Well, the IEF is maybe a safe place to hold, but it won't work as a hedge if we have the big event. But the IEF, if you're wrong, the IEF, it's really going to be an inflation. Rates are going to back up. Then the IEF is pretty safe as a place to put your money. That's the how like, I read that. Versus like a TLT. Or yeah, a TLT. And I can, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. all, when you start looking for them, uh, I had them down here uh, today someplace. But there's a EDV. whole bunch of What's EDV? EDV is longer, is longer than uh, B yeah, and DD. It's basically it's basically twenty years, Gavin. Like twenty years or more. Yeah. What's the question? Uh, the the question was, uh, we were talking about what's the bond going to do, and when we hit the event or we hit the quad fours, what are the bonds doing for you? And there's potentially where are the gains? The gains are in long duration bonds. Yeah. So yeah. it sounds like this is you know you can choose the duration that you want. And yes. size based off of that. If you do long-term bonds, you're obviously going to be a lot more amplified to a move in the long end of the curve. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just so pointing out the question of how much risk you want to take. You know, assume base case you're playing for ten year getting cut in half. Maybe you say that's the same for the thirty. Downside cases, maybe we see what happened when the vaccine data came out last November and see where yields went. You know, from there until March or May or so, yeah. and maybe you can kind of call that your downsides. So yeah. Well, I, using I, those I, as your parameters, size it off that. Yeah. And the other thing to manage the position, you look at what's happening on the risk range of the 10 year and uh, the trend right now it's neutral. 
and I've been buying some, just buying some longer uh, duration because I'm thinking neutral is going to go to bearish. But yeah. that's thinking. That's not the number yet. I might be a little bit ahead of myself. I think that looks like a pretty good base case. I mean, today we yeah, had the yeah. tightest risk range we've seen in the 10 years since September, and it's tightened now, you know, with a strong signal for a lower high, you know, so it's kind yeah. of, it looks like it's cap, you know, yeah. so it's not like, so, a, I, I don't know if we get like a, a quad one, um, you know, bonds just seem like they would be a safe place to park. And then knowing that there's a quad four behind it. Um, yeah. But then if it accelerates and gets pulled forward, you know, I've already enjoyed having fixed income back in the portfolio. Like it's yeah. just, <laughs> I, I like, it. I, I guess I'm old school that way. Like I want yeah, my bonds, I want my equities. You're, you're an old soul, old soul. You know, yeah. like yeah. I just, quad just, two is well, like, oh man, ready, like I'm short bonds. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm talking about a piece of the bonds that could have a lot of volatility and are as risky as an equity. But uh, it is something that goes up in quad four in the end. It may get messed up during the liquidity event, right? Because yeah. everything no, no, does. I, yeah, you're, you're spot on, Dave. And that's a really good call out. So I, I, I appreciate that. And, and yeah, please, I mean, circle back up. We'll, I'll, um, I'll um, obviously reshare the, the, yeah. the spaces uh, around 830. Sam, um, you're up, boss. Uh, sorry, just uh, skip me. You sure? Um, I mean, I, it's, I, whatever I've done today seems pretty in line with all of you guys. Uh, I was going <laughs> to ask about, uh, the XLRE. Um, yeah, go ahead. well, I mean, I think you answered it. Uh, the signal was just strong. Cause when I saw, I, I actually noticed that, um, before it was signaled and I was looking at it yesterday and I'm just like, Oh, it's kind of heading toward the top of the range. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy this and, um, looks like there's some complacency in the, uh, eyeball too. Uh, and I was just like, eh, I don't know if I want to buy this. And then saw that it was mentioned earlier and I'm just like, okay, maybe not. But, um, as far as, uh, I know, I know yeah, so like just to clarify, in- just to yeah. clarify, uh, Sam, um, Gavin bought the XRE. I, I did not, I, I did not buy it on Monday either. Uh, so I was a buyer on Monday, but I bought stuff at the low end of the range. Again, I probably take on more risk than I no, not probably. I 100% take on more risk than Gavin does. <laughs> and, and, and so I was a buyer of XL, XLI and triple Qs on Monday, right, Sam? So uh, yeah, I'm waiting. I'm still patiently waiting for the XLRE to try to come in um, down to kind of the low end of the range. And, and again, uh, but I, it's also burned me in the past, right. In terms of like, not, not taking the advantage or not taking advantage of even just little pullbacks like we got on Monday in, in the XLRE. So, um, but anyway, please continue Sam. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I still had ITB, uh, I built my position pretty low cost, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, I do have, a lot of cash sitting and mostly for the same reasons you guys are just been making sales the last couple of days. Um, I sold after that bounce on Monday, I got very, very tense holding uh, my call options that I got on QQQs and spy. And since I was at the low near the low of the range, that's when I got it into the close on Monday. And then I sold them yesterday. And as it continued to go up, um, I still added to uh, my shorts for oil and 
unfortunately I'm not able to short anything. Uh, so when it came to shorting uh, oil, I wasn't able to go with the Norway short, uh, but I stayed in, or I had a little bit more to the uh, USO short. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, a lot of the, well, really a lot of this stuff seems pretty in line with you guys. Um, got into UUP or added back to UUP that I've been selling uh, into mm-hmm. the strength the last couple of days. Um, I, when I got in, I was like, mm, maybe I go lower, but I mean, a 40 basis point drop in the dollar is pretty big, um, especially during a time like right now. Uh, but overall, I mean, I think Joe was saying it before. It was just this it doesn't it just seems like a head fake and i've been what i've been watching uh the price of bitcoin too and i you know you just notice like bitcoin breaks 49k but it still never made a higher high it never made a higher high yet it was just about to i had an alert set up in trading you <laughs> what was it like 49800 or something yeah and it it never, right. I, I thought yeah i thought i was gonna break it it was just a couple hundred away and i thought i was gonna get alerted like in the middle of the night when i wake up i see it but no, it ended up pulling back, and it just seems like, well, here we go again, you know? Then I'm going to – I'm not sure if I feel too good just going, like, full-on bullish on Bitcoin, even though it keeps on flipping signals and everything, uh, especially Ethereum. Um, but I am trimming uh, both sides, long and short, because uh, I hold them separately. I am trimming it once it reaches their opposite side of the risk range. And just keep doing that, you know, and I'm, I'm actually fine watching this thing go make like new all time highs and I'm not in it. Like if that's the case then so be it. But when that thing can drop, when it drops, it drops like 10,000 in just a couple of hours. Like I I don't want to be caught in that, you know, with my pants down. Hey, Sam, I think Keith has brought this up, but right now the way Bitcoin is correlated to the VIX, it's like basically... I don't know. I would think about it as like a levered way to play equities, you know, immediate term, yeah. like in the next like one to three weeks. Um, yeah. So, I yeah, think- you're right. It's, it's just like it can the rug get pulled on you pretty quick. Oh, yeah. I I'm, not, this- I'm not long Bitcoin. I haven't been for a little bit now. I think this is the point. It's like all the like up until up until three weeks ago, the only thing I was trading was crypto. And now yeah. my Coinbase account is at zero. I think all the everyone that's kind of, you know, saying I think that, you should clarify like zero invested versus like zero you lost. Oh yeah, I mean like I closed <laughs> yeah, <yeah>. everything. <laughs> you lost everything. Moved. No, no, <laughs> I mean, I'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 no. yeah. Just to clarify, you traded it yeah. well. <laughs> and I think it, I don't know. You got to give it to the maxis, man, because I mean, all these f- fucking dweebs like Breedlove and all that. I mean, they've got Jordan Peterson now pumping Bitcoin. It's like what the fuck. <laughs> They're good. Yeah. I will give it. I will give it to them. They are good. I thought they're that, pumping. Okay. No, I was going to say. I thought recently. I don't know if it was this week or what, um, but crypto was no longer so, you know, unanimously bullish based on the risk range, and if memory serves, the correlation for risk on environments is of course positive. So quad two and quad one, it's yeah. it's just the same when it's quad three or quad four. I, I could be wrong on that, but for sure quad four crypto gets hurt. It's a risk asset at the end of the day. Um, and I would just say also, Sam, just from, from an outsider's perspective here, 
the the way that you're talking about you know what's going on in the market what's going on in crypto seems you know subconsciously bullish you know we've we've been really enjoying buying every dip this year and that's turned out to be incredible um market regime wise that was the right thing to do um but even other comments made earlier today talking about how okay bonds you know will do well when you know there's volatility yields go down etc that still kind of sounds like people are thinking okay but my equities are going to be fine why would i go to bonds if i'm going to make a small amount when i can just stay in my equities uh and if we are going towards a deceleration in inflation and GDP and fiscal stimulus, you know, around the world, it's it's no longer a given that we're going to see asset prices going up. So I would I would just offer that comment um, as everyone's kind of evaluating what's going to happen next year. Yeah, for sure. Tipsy, I, you. I hope you can join at, at eight thirty if you're free. Um, that's Eastern time. Uh, it's a great way to sum up and and just for for you know I, when I said I'm a seller, I, I haven't been selling small. Um, I have cash back up to anywhere from 15 to 25% in the accounts um, across both basically two retirement accounts and, and a, uh, and, and a um, uh, taxable, basically, you know, long short account. So uh, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I've been aggressively selling. I was a buyer on Monday and I'm a seller today and I am 100%, um, you know, writing my writing the wrongs in my book um, in terms of, you know, getting the small caps out of there, taking the losses where I need to, uh, it's also offsets gains that I've had this year, obviously, right? We were um, long energy and financials. Those are awesome um, out of those bad boys. But yeah, man, it's a, it's a great point. It's a really good one to end on for right here. Um, I, I apologize for cutting it short because this, this is amazing conversations. And thank you for everybody who joined. Um, I will be back at it. Well, we will, we, or whoever can join, please you know, circle back around uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'd love to hear um, other conversations. Chris, I know it's, um, and anybody in overseas or what have you, um, you know, I know it's, it's late there. So appreciate you, you know, staying, staying up and, and chatting with us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Robert. You know, everyone yeah, give this a follow. Let's get you up to 1K followers, right? Yeah, I was going to say, everybody follow you. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate that, guys. Yeah, I need a thousand. I guess we need a thousand in order to record these sessions. So it it is helpful for everybody. Uh, But yeah, no, I'm I'm not. uh, It's uh, we'll we'll figure it out. But we'll. um, Yeah, but I appreciate that. sir. now now you got me blushing over here, Jimmy and Sam. I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right, team. We'll uh, we'll chat later. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Robert.